This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Burning Bull. That's the name that we decided. Um, this is brought to you by Dallas Sports Nation. Um, I'm Nico. This is Ismail. We're really excited to bring this to you. Um, of course, we're all just fans of the game. Uh, how have you been, Ismail? I've been well on vacation, relaxing, off classes. I've, have a, I've had a good, great break. That's good. That's good. Uh, same, same would be happening to me. So, um, I guess we can kind of just do a recap of how the offseason's gone so far. So, um, big, the first big thing that really happened was the departure of Poppy. Um, from the media's reaction, it kind of looks like that was kind of a, of a big hit. Yeah, I, I personally was not really surprised because I knew he was going on to big things. Uh, the timing seemed right for both parties, and Poppy obviously has bigger ambitions, uh, most notably and most rumored, the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I know Tijuana. Uh, I think that's a good fit for him. So I, ex- I thought it was a good fit for everybody. Yeah, I know f- at first when just from face value, you're kind of surprised. It's like, well, well, what? But if you kind of think about it, you know, um, back earlier when you had the U.S. men's national team rumor and when they went to Vancouver and they all said, oh, he had an interview. Um, I kind of think that opened up the door for him. He's thinking, oh, wow, I, I actually have other opportunities. And that constant frustration of not having a number nine, I bet, was probably one of the driving points. And um, Peter Welpton, in the last game, he kind of stated, he was like, it really felt like that that was the departure of Poppy because he stated, oh, okay, I'll stay here at the press conference or the post-match interview, answering any questions. So if you kind of, I don't know, when I look back on it, uh, all the pieces kind of do fit in. It does, it does look like that. Maybe it was time. I mean, he had a very good tenure here, and he, he squeezed as much as he could out of this team uh, and the limited purse that we and I think that's why the majority of fans uh, are worried now that Poppy is gone because he really, with the effort that he put into the club, I truly believe he made us better just because of who he was and how he much he loved the club. So I think that departure uh, really affected everybody. And yeah, it, it- it does have a big effect. I mean, I kind of joke around with my dad and other friends. It's like, well, I kind of I thought Boppy would be like um, MLS's and especially FC Dallas's equivalent to Sir Alex Ferguson. He'd kind of stay here for a really long time, try to win as much as he could. But I don't know. I think the timing's right. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, happy for him. I'm happy for him. I mean, he needs uh, that, that guy is very intelligent. Um, I think the biggest testament is that nil-nil draw against Columbus at home. Uh, I really enjoyed that from a tactical perspective because you could see Burhalter and Bobby Keep adjusting those tactics. I mean, that guy has such a great, such a great head on his shoulders, um, especially with his coaching staff, how he brought both Bazan brothers. I think that, was a, that probably helped him a lot as well. So, but I'm overall pretty happy. I'm happy for him. I think it was a time. It probably was time for him to go on. And who knows? Like you said, maybe we'll see him back at the club. Yeah, uh- I found it interesting because your Sir Alex Ferguson and Mark, uh, 
the fear I uh, think many people had, the, like the small group of people that had been clamoring for Poppy to go. Um, if, I found it interesting because I think they thought that he was going instead on a Sir Alex Ferguson route towards an Arsene Wenger out, someone who stayed too much at the club and every single year started mm. like, decreasing the, the play and made fans kind of miserable, which kind of started for a couple of fans because of their relative anger towards what happened for multiple years in the playoffs. But I think, yeah, because of what has happened, um, the basic nature of the club, uh, Poppy's obvious quality, I think it, this, this year was probably the best year for him to go and find other opportunities. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I don't know, it's just kind of an interesting position. I mean, and then naturally with the departure of Poppy, we have to have a find ourselves a new head coach. Um, I know that many thought that, okay, the, the only new head coach we're going to be looking for is just for our USL team. But uh, FC Dallas and the Hunts have settled on Luchi Gonzalez. Initial impressions on Luchi? From my point of view, I think Luchi is the perfect coach because Luchi, again, embodies a lot of the things that Pereja is technically was with FC Dallas. Uh, he loves the club and he will do anything for the team. Uh, it's not a big name. This was this and, of course, Tab Ramos were the two choices I was really expecting and hoping. Yeah, I remember Third Degree putting out that article. They're, they were thinking that it was most likely going to be an internal hire. That's kind of what I thought, too. And then the Tab Ramos came up, and I thought, okay, that'd be a pretty good prospect. I mean, uh, it kind of fits the FC Dallas mold. But um, I think many thought it was going to be Marco Ferruzzi. I thought it was going to be Marco Ferruzzi, kind of the closest bridge between the Oscar Pereja era. But um, I'm really proud. I think Lucci's actually a really good hire. I think many thought that he was going to be the USL team coach, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the, uh, from, a, from a different aspect, I kind of like the uh, idea of how, okay, not only are we now growing our own players, but we can possibly uh, be growing our own coaches now. And I think that's what was the, uh, the part that annoyed some people, the fact that, Lucci could have been developing this whole time if there was a USL, uh, USL team for like at least one or two years. If Lucci had been coach of that team for the last like one or two years, if it had if it had existed, I think no one at all would have clamored that it was a bad coach to pick. I think that everyone would have loved him. Now there is a couple. There's a good percentage of the fan base that are, again, disappointed by what they see as a cheap uh, mm -hmm. signing. But I still think Lucci's level, Lucci's intelligence, Lucci's dedication to the club um, will at least mirror what Pereja has done over the past couple of years. Yeah. You know, you brought up a good point. I, um, I think that fans probably would have liked or been more in favor of the Lucci hire if we did have that USL team sooner, not only developing our players but also him as a coach um just from initial pre impressions his press conference and all these other interviews he's doing um that guy has a great head on his shoulders that he's very 
intelligent and very intense. He's very passionate about the game and this club as well, which is good. But um, I know I, I was guilty of it and kind of falling into his hype as well. But um, you kind of wonder if it's all that just, oh, that new new manager jitters or he's just kind of a little overconfident, not, not entirely knowing what he's getting into because uh, he hasn't coached adults before. So this definitely is a new challenge, but I think that FC Dallas did the right hire. Definitely having a USL team sooner would have helped, but they did the right thing because Lucci is probably one of those next and upcoming coaches, just like how Pareja did, except he with uh, Pareja, he went to Colorado. Uh, so the Lucci hire, so when his, the, the aura that he seemed to have in the press conference for me, like you said, it seemed kind of overconfident. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was one comment that a lot of people have uh, have noted on that I think everyone was kind of not shocked but surprised to hear him say was that he was extremely, not even disappointed, he said he was sad when he saw Atlanta lift. That was yeah, this year. when he said that hurt, yep. That, 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 when he said that, that kind of like I, I i was i i was confused i was like i've never heard a coach in all my years of following the sport say that he was disappointed that that team that he was about to start coaching did not win a trophy that year and that again like i've stated before shows his dedication to the yeah club. you bring up a sorry to cut you off there but you bring up a good point i don't know if it, you could get that feeling over the audio but in the uh, in the press conference room, right after he said that, it was dead quiet. Like everyone kind of just stopped there. You could tell that the entire media also felt that too. I thought that was a, that had a really good effect. Yeah, I, yeah, that really speaks to his his passion and love for the club. Yeah, that that's a very good point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it might have just been words in press mm-hmm. conference, but his 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 attitude and the way he said it. I, I honestly thought he was genuine, and I from that mo- before the press conference, I was doubtful. Like yeah, a lot of yeah. people, press conference kind of blew me away, and I was like, "This is a good project to um, to push the club forward." And Luigi is the correct person to head that project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you could tell he kind of had uh, media jitters, which is kind of cool. But then, he, as as he's done more of these, you've seen him kind of progressing, grow more into it. So he, he's growing, he's growing. He's learning, which is good. You know, now that we have a new coach, what are, what are your expectations kind of for this club? So, for example, like if Poppy was still here, naturally it'd probably be like, oh, either Supporter Shield or MLS Cup. But now this is going to be Lucci's first time coaching. Kind of what do you think are the benchmarks that he has? So I used Jesse Marsh kind of as an example of what I think, what, what I think the highest threshold it mm-hmm. is for Lucci. I hope that there's MLS Cup, something that Jesse Marsh never was able to accomplish. But Jesse Marsh came into New York Red Bulls, I think, in 2014 with the USL team that was already running for one year, but the club was kind of in disarray. They just hired a coach that won them a trophy. And the first year, he ended up in fourth place. Uh, but since that point, before Jesse, of course, has gone to Europe, he was able to get high finishes in, 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 in 
the regular season and then be able to be very successful in the playoffs, just usually very short, just short off of uh, an MLS Cup final. So I think that's what the most realistic and hope, hopeful uh, direction I think the Hunts want Lucci to go. I think we can expect playoffs maybe in like a sixth or apparently now seventh place position. Uh, it might We might not even make the playoffs this year, but I think in like year two, year three, we can expect big things. Yeah. Quick opinion on the new playoff format. What do you think? I personally don't have any preference towards either. I think it's fine. Uh, once you start growing as much as MLS has, I'm pretty sure many clubs would be clamoring for an increase in playoff spots for their club to have an opportunity. Uh, I don't have a, any specific preference. I don't hate it. I don't like it. It's, it's all the same in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's kind of the approach I've taken. At first, I was against it because it's like, well, now more than half the league makes the playoffs, and it's kind of what's the point to it? But I don't know. Uh, MLS is special. Uh, it's not like the rest of the soccer world. It's it's very Americanized with in terms of salary cap and the way we have a playoffs system. I would say that after this, especially if we continue an expansion towards maybe 30 or 32 teams, we still shouldn't increase the playoff number. I think if you go to eight or nine, that pushes it yeah. too far. In my yeah, it, it, it kind of almost brings it, it kind of furthers the argument, well, which one's more important, MLS Cup or Supporter Shield? So hmm. where do yeah. you fall on that one? Just curious. I personally... Love the support mm-hmm. shield because I follow Europe, but I am also a realist and understand that MLS Cup is the most important yeah. thing for all MLS teams. And now that FC Dallas has a supporter shield, I want an MLS. Yeah, Cup. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I, I've, I, I'd say I'd kind of value the supporter shield a bit more because that really, to me, it shows that it's the best, uh, best over the um, entire season. And I forgot where I heard it. But I think it was under Uncle Sam's soccer podcast where there was like, when the playoffs first started and they were saying, okay, if Philadelphia Union wins the M- uh, MLS Cup, are you really going to tell me that's the league champion? But I don't know. I kind of feel like they're two different competitions now. I feel like MLS Cup is, it never, there, there are a couple of years where MLS Cup never never is given to the best team yeah. in the league. I mean, Seattle Sounders, that year that they won, were definitely oh, yeah, not, the not best even team. registering a shot. They yep, that was that was a very frustrating they, game. They did not deserve it, but, but again, it is Americanized and it is part of the excitement and that's what MLS values yeah. most and probably won't change anytime soon. Yeah, we're a unique league. We're a unique league. If I were to change it, I'd probably do it like Mexico. Um, only like the, so in Mexico, the uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, their entire season is actually split into two different seasons. But the general gist is that at the end of their season, only the top eight teams make it into the playoffs, and then that's how they decide the Mexican champion. So if I were to do it, I think I would kind of like it like that. But oh well, I think Mexico. Yeah, I, I've, I've followed the Apertura and the Glasura uh, a lot because I am an America fan. But uh, 
Yeah. Wait. What am I? Okay, I would. I'm say I'm a Tigres fan, but yeah, cool. but it's okay. Celaya and San Luis are both in Liga Ascenso, so I had to find a a Liga MX team. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think Liga MX has the most uh, what they would call the best playoff mm-hmm. format. I think, from what I can recall from research, I think Belgium also shares that same mm-hmm. format with their Belgium league. Uh, but I think America is also special in the case that they are far larger than both countries, and they both have many, uh, many, many uh, cities that they want to outreach to. And I don't think you can have a 32 league team in top eight. Yeah. Either. But I don't know. It's it's interesting, but. Okay, uh, we went down a rabbit hole. Let's try to bring this back into <laughs> FC Dallas. Um, then we finally figured out what our USL team name was going to be, and it is the North Texas Soccer Club. Uh, and then they released not only their new GM, and they also showed us our badge. Thoughts on that? So I was... I, I will, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of disappointed with the North Texas SC uh, branding. Uh, the badge is fine it, to go into a historic direction with either a burn throwback or a tornado throwback mm-hmm. and decided to go what they would call an inclusive uh, team name. Then again, uh, it is... Okay, I would have loved them to keep the FC uh, branding for both teams because SC and FC just starts getting confusing. Yeah, yeah. But again, like I believe I heard in the Third Degree podcast, it doesn't matter as much. The part that mattered was the signing of Ricardo. Yeah, exactly. I think most important thing is that we got Pepe under contract and now we have a USL team. The name... Eh, not too much of a fan of it. Like you said, uh, I would have preferred the FC over SC. That's okay. Uh, I know the crest. At first I saw it, I was like, mm, it's kind of growing on me. I do like how they had the hidden N in there. You know, like the 19th minute said, though, um, it kind of looks like Nashville SC's crest, which is a little interesting. Yeah, when when they said that, I saw it and I... And it did, it did show yeah, some similarities. Yeah, because I was like, I feel like I've seen this somewhere, but I couldn't put a finger on it. But yeah. But one thing that people should know is that if they're worried about it copying Nashville SC too much, it, they just showed FC Cincinnati changed their badge going from USL to mm-hmm. MLS. And Nashville is going into the league next year, and it will probably be something along the Nashville SC branding. They're probably going to change their badge. So similarity isn't really that the problem, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What do you think the jersey's going to look like? Well, it will definitely have a slash. Yeah, they've made a big deal about the slash, yep. Probably a gray slash, because that's what it is on the badge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope they go with something nice. I remember specifically Houston's USL affiliates had a really nice jersey in year one, which was orange with... Uh, orange with black. Uh, I really hope they go with something that is nice and embodies North Texas SC and not really FC Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to kind of want to make this their own little club. So, 
Yep, but overall, I mean, now we have a USL team. That's good. Um, coach, I know this hasn't been discussed a lot, but what do you, who do you think the next coach for that team will be? It will definitely be an academy coach. Uh, or, yeah, it will definitely be an academy coach or Marco Ferruzzi. Now, I know I'm just speculating here, but Marco probably would not really want to be the coach of a third division team. He probably would want to stay in the same position he's in since he lost the opportunity to be the coach of FC Dallas. Uh, there are a couple of choices. You have uh, Chris Hayden, but he probably won't be it. You have uh, you have Oencia, who was a coach for the Premier squads. You have Michelle, who's been coaching FC Dallas for a decent amount of time. Unofficially, you have Peter Lucin, who's also been coaching, but officially, you have a decent amount of choices. I mean, it was just revealed a couple of days ago that FC Dallas brought in the Kendall SC U17, U18 Academy Director, mm-hmm. which, again, he was connected in some way or form to FC Dallas, if I remember, through traffic sports. But I, I'm excited. That's that really. I'm excited really to see what coaches are able to step up and get professional opportunities to advance their game. Yeah, this this really, I feel like whoever gets this, it's, like you said, probably going to be an academy coach. At first, I thought it was going to be Marco, but I feel like he, he'll probably stay as um, an assistant coach or like they're saying, he might become the academy director. Um, I would have pegged either Michelle, Peter Lucin, probably Peter Lucin, Um I would have also said Javi Mo, but it looks like he's going to go to Inter Miami. Yeah, I heard yeah. that. So I feel like that's a big loss in terms of academy. But at the same time, who knows how he might have panned out as a coach. So, I don't know. I feel like this one's a bit more of an open-ended thing. No, uh, just as a question. Uh-oh. Uh, cut him out again. Okay. <clears throat> What was that? Sorry. Uh, I think uh, we lost connection again. Uh, did North Texas SC reveal their technical director yet? No, they okay. haven't. That, and I feel like, I feel like when they um, hired the new techn- technical director after um, Luis Muzi left, he might also have a say in that as well. Uh, I think probably. So FC Dallas, and there were rumors that it would be the Gremio technical director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also had connection to FC Dallas. Uh, but honestly, North Texas SC might be the technical director will probably be Chris Hayden, who's been a coach there for an extremely long time, who's been a mentor to Luis, um, not to Luis Muzi, to, to Lucci. Uh, and he has the experience as an academy director of FC Dallas for a decent amount of time for the younger teams. So I think he might fit in. Yeah. Um, I feel like that best match is kind of the idea of what North Texas Soccer Club is. It's a development club, um, kind of develops players. I mean, Chris Hayden would know the academy scene and probably would have a better uh, feel for what type of players would be best brought in to help supplement that first team. I think the the announcement of North Texas SC, the biggest effect it's going to have, especially on the first year, will be the academy. We will probably, for the first time in a while, not make the playoffs for a couple of the teams because of the fact 
risk of that. There's going to be such a big shuffling in the coaching through the academy. Yeah, I feel like everyone's just going to move up an age group, basically. I don't know. That's what I think. Um, so let's see. We've got Poppy's gone, new coach. Um, we talked about North Texas. Then we all were curious about, okay, is Dan Hunt going to keep his promise of at least two signings before Christmas? And he did, and we got the Cobra, and we got Bressan. So thoughts on the Cobra? So I'm not going to call him Odrasek because I like saying Cobra. I think he is... As I was talking to a person on Twitter about the, the Cobra, and he kept on talking about how this is another four that will probably disappoint. Uh, at this point in time, a lot of FC Dallas fans will not be satisfied with a starting striker unless he is, you know, he has been very efficient in front of goal, which. The Cobra this this year has been, but over the past couple of years, he hasn't been. Uh, I have hope, uh, uh, but there is a real possibility that he f- falls into the direction that Christian Coleman fell these last couple of years. Uh, he it, it will probably be, it will hopefully be, I think most FC Dallas fans would be happy if he ended up 10 goals, 6 assists around that area, if he at least hit double digits. Uh, I I think he might actually get more just because of how he plays. Uh, what I've seen from uh, from highlights, he is a target forward, but he also seems to have a spin to step, so he can break stride. So he seems like the striker that FC Dallas has been waiting for, but he doesn't have the pedigree of it. So there's always a chance that he doesn't succeed. Yeah. Um, I know that the running joke was if you can't find them and uh, if you can't find an unknown player in South America, look to the Eastern Europe. And I feel like kind of a lot of the hype around um, Zednik Ondrasek is just the fact that he's European. Um, I know that kind of watching the YouTube highlights, which are always a little suspect, but um, to me it looked like he faced some some dodgy defending and goalkeeping as well. Um, he probably won't see that in MLS, uh, I would argue, just from that very, this is a very uninformed uh, guess, but I would say that we prob- MLS has better defenders and goalkeepers. I know he's very physical in his play, which is something I like. The only concern I have is that that might not go well with um, MLS referees. I know that uh, over there in those in those uh, videos I was watching, a lot of arm pushing and sl- uh, sl- sliding and tackling. Might not go well over over here, but um, very offensive and very strong. Like you said, uh, he's a definition target forward. At this point, I'm kind of under the impression of well, let's try anything. I mean, I was a I was a huge Coleman supporter, Coleman apologist, as Kenny Price uh, has coined the term. But uh, I, think, I think we just need, at this point, kind of try anything. I think uh, he would be good in a two-striker system because he tends to draw in a lot of defenders once he has the ball. And I think that would open up space for Baji to... Um, it kind of gives him more space to run into. I think 
He could definitely, he can definitely work as a sole striker, but I think the team might do well with a two striker system with him in there. What I find hopeful is that this year, Lucci will probably at all times have a true number 10 on the field, whether it is Arangis or Pomico, or if the time comes they, and if they do sign Tuchero, they could play Tuchero if both players are not available. But he will probably always play a true number 10 because that's how the academy teams usually have played out. Uh, that bodes well for Baji. That bodes well for, for the Cobra. That also bodes well when and if or if Christian Coleman comes back. I've also been a Christian Coleman apologist uh, because of the fact that he never was able to play a long time under Mauro Diaz. Yes. The time he did, he scored goals. I remember the massive looping ball from Mauro to Coleman against Colorado, um, a like 80-something minute goal that was like really that, that made everyone excited that maybe Coleman would change this year. Wasn't that also yeah. voted as the assist of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Rightly mm-hmm. so. Rightly so. Yep. I think that um, Ugrasek and Coman have kind of similar play styles where they, like you said, draw in defenders to different areas. I think that was Coman's staple play last year. Mm-hmm. I remember him doing that against teams like Portland. Uh, I think it also bodes... I, I, I think this year's striking, the striker position is going to be extremely exciting. Uh, will Ferreira break through finally? Uh, will Baji have a really good second year, or will he be a disappointing signing? Does the Cobra work out? Does Coleman come in and uh, score 10 goals in five games and he returns? It's, it's all uh, very... Uh, you can't calculate it at this point, which is expensive expected with FC Dallas attackers. Yeah, it's kind of exciting to see how this will go. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to that. On to the next player, Bressan from Gremio. Impressions. So, I've, I said this, I think, in, one of, in the article that I wrote about him and the Cobra for Dallas Sports Nation. Uh, I, he's a really good player. No matter what you hear from Gremio fans, especially if you actually, if, especially if you actually watch the game where he made that um, crazy mistake, mm-hmm. the entirety of the game besides that mistake, he was playing really good. He kept players like Atlanta target Pity Martinez off the board. He, he was he, he he was tracking him for the majority of the game, and he looked really good. I was really happy that we signed him. My only fear, like I said in the article is the fact that he will be a bench warmer, especially if Richards does come back, as Dan Hunt has said. I don't think the club is going to sell Ziegler. And in that case, you have four center backs who all should be starting in MLS. And that is a lot of wasted talent, in my opinion. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We go from only having two staple center backs. Um, at this point, you can't really count Minor. Uh, even though he did the... He, he played his role perfectly this season, don't get me wrong, but um, he's kind of found himself on the wrong side of 30. Um, but yeah, the thing about Bresson, he, he, that guy it was starting day in and day out for Gremio. And for those aren't, that aren't familiar, uh, Gremio is one of those really big clubs 
um, not only in Brazil, but in South America. You can treat Grêmio as like your Manchester United's or Juventus or Bayern. And that guy was starting for that team. So he, he not only has the pedigree, but um, he has the skill as well. And like you said, we go from only having two center backs to now possibly th- three really good starting center backs. Um, four if we get Chris Richards back as well. Uh, like you said, yeah, I'm kind of afraid that he will become a bench warmer because that's kind of wasted talent. Uh, the nice thing is that he can play across all the back line, so that gives everyone a chance to uh, rest. Which, now t- kind of speaking aloud, it makes me think, would it be... No. No. What was your thought? Well, my thought was going to be, okay, well, we got three really good center backs, but now, okay, do, do we say, do we go to a three-man back line? But then it's like, okay, well, what do you do with Reggie? You can't leave Reggie out. And then uh, I was listening, thinking, well, uh, what about Pedroso? Because I know one of the big concerns was his salary. And he was only running off of just a half a season of salary. So he's basically going to get paid twice as much, which should put him around close to 500 or 600. Let me, let me look that up. But go ahead and continue with what you're saying. Uh, so I think there's a big possibility that you go three men back line, especially for the fact that Cannon for a long, long stretches of the season, especially when the Gold Cup comes, he will not be with us because he will probably be the set starter or the or the or the bench player for the U.S. in the right back position. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, so Pedroso was on three hundred thirty thousand, so he'll probably jump up to six hundred sixty to seven hundred. Yeah, that, that that is a good point, though. Yeah, that kind of that is a. That is a very big hit now when you kind of look at it. Um, the, the, the critics, that, the, the people that have criticized Pedroso, uh, I think when he came in, he was the biggest fear I had in the 2018 summer that we were going to go into a summer slump like we did the previous year because Nidhi Alkov was amazing and I really enjoyed his style of play. Yes, and, I was afraid yes. that, and I was afraid that Pedroso wasn't going to be able to fill the spot. But he did fill that spot, and he gave a lot more attacking options that that Nidiakov really ever did. So <clears throat> it's just uh, I remember a tweet from a specific uh, I don't remember the person that said that if Richards ends up playing against teams like Chattanooga Red Bulls or FC Tucson instead of the Bayern U nineteens. And I mean, U20s, he's going to have a hindrance in development. So if we don't sell Ziegler, then there's a major problem in the development of Richards. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And in an odd way, I mean, Ziegler was probably probably the, one of the best, if not the best offseason signing last year, uh, off the top of my head. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird. We, we, Ziegler's a very good defender. You can't just let go of him, but then that's also kind of holding back Chris Richards, which kind of makes just an entire different topic on in itself, but the whole uh, Bayern partnership and will we get Chris Richards back? And if we do, uh, let's say we don't get Chris Richards back, will Bayern loan him back out to us? And if that doesn't happen, well, okay, we've already sent players over there. Then we're possibly going to lose Richards. Are we going to get anything in return? So it is probable that Ziegler is going to leave next year, if not this year. He probably won't leave this year, mm-hmm. but he, I don't think he's going to stay in 2020. 
So I think the club is just building insurance before the time comes. To be fair, if it, most teams would love to have a Brisson or a Richards, if not both, as their bench center backs. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just worried about his development. And to be fair, Bresson is only 25. He also has a, a decent amount of time to develop. Yeah, and, so. and that's still relatively early for a defender too. So yeah, like Hedges is starting to enter his prime years. So it, it's a yeah, FC Dallas is in a good position. It's, it's a FC Dallas has a good problem right now when it comes to our back line. That's a, it's the, a good problem to have. I think the back line is the one thing that we don't have to worry about this year oh, at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, I would say I would categorize these two confirmed signings right now. Uh, pretty good, I'd say. Well done to FC Dallas front office. Uh, I think that these are. Two really good signings. Two signings that probably any MLS team would desire, except maybe Atlanta United, who don't need the Cobra with Joseph Martinez there. Yep. Uh, they're both really good signings. Both could have really good seasons or really bad seasons. That seems to be the general uh, way FC Dallas does signings: high ceilings, low floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm excited. I've I'm I'm really interested to see what they bring to the team next year. Exactly, exactly. So, as of late, Brian Acosta rumors have not only heated up. Uh, this one probably started, ooh, maybe towards the end of November. It was kind of getting our feet wet, saying, "Oh, FC Dallas is one of those teams interested." Then it came out to, oh, the price tag is $5 million. That's way too much for FC Dallas. We're out. Then the exact next day, we're back in it again. And now we seem to be hovering around a $2 million to $3 million price uh, price mark. We had pictures and different people saying, oh, he's saying goodbye to players at Tenerife. And today, we've got a tweet saying that MLS is finding, finalizing his paperwork. So it looks like this deal is all said and done. How do you feel about getting Acosta? So I think it says a lot about Acosta's desire to be at this club that apparently he's paying a part of the transfer. Oh, really? Okay, I did not hear about that. Apparently, because of the fact that uh, Tenerife wanted four or five million, I don't remember the specific number, that's why FC Dallas kept going in and out of the transfer. Yep. Because of the fact that they weren't willing to pay four or five. They were willing to pay two to three. Uh, but Ryan Acosta apparently really wanted to go. Tenerife right now is in, in economic trouble, and they needed the money. Uh, <laughs> so, which apparently looks like uh, something FC Dallas is targeting because that's exactly the same thing that happened to other six club. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really good player, and I really like the fact that he seems to really want to be at the club. Uh, uh, again, it's the problem I have with the signing. Apparently, I have a problem with all these amazing signings. Is the <laughs> fact that Servania, who played insane in the US U20s CONCACAF uh, tournament, is probably going to get uh, sat on the bench again. Now, that's not really necessarily the problem because Acosta is going to get caught up a lot to Honduras, and apparently, we might talk about this later, Grayso looks like he might be going to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
if Cervania doesn't get at least 10 to 15 starts this season, or 10 to 15 like games mm-hmm. in general, that that's not really good for his development because he needs playing time and he showed he's capable of playing to a very high standard in that tournament. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm in favor for the Brian Ocosta signing as well. Uh that guy and um just from so just watching some international play, he uh he's you can still tell he's developing, but he does have a high ceiling. Um, it, it fits your typical FC Dallas signing. I think it's a great signing and it kind of puts us into another, uh, defense, uh, problem. I mean, it's a good problem that FC Dallas has. I feel like that midfield, uh, we're, we're pretty well stacked up right there. Like you said, it does, it does limit, uh, it looks like it will limit what Brandon Cervania will do. And like you mentioned, uh, today came, um, it looks like that Grezzo will be going to, Brazil on a loan and kind of the, one of the things that I was thinking that I've I think I've brought up before is that um if we end up do bringing in Brian Acosta does that kind of hint that Grezzo's time here at FC Dallas is done it it's, might sorry no you're it, good it might but the the criticism I have on that thought process is that Acosta is definitely not the same player Grayso is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Acosta actually, he he he's very comparable to Cervania. They're both they both play as very tall eights that distribute the ball, kind of put medium me, uh, medium attacking work rate. They somewhat defensive. They're they're kind of like in the middle. They will always just sit there, but they don't they're not like destroyers like Grayso is. Uh, FC, I, I honestly think that over the past three or four years, um, Grayso has been the best player on the field. Um, you could argue Matt Hedges or Diaz or Acosta, but I honestly think Grayso has been the best player for FC Dallas in Poppy's tenure. Uh, if he goes, you're losing that destroyer that FC Dallas has relied on for a very long time. And if you want to mold probably Cervania, maybe Acosta into that role, that's a project and that will take a lot of time and that will um, yield a lot of mistakes in the beginning. And it might not even work in the end. I don't know if FC Dallas can play with two eights. Yeah, you're, yeah that's a very good point. Um, I don't know. I don't know. This is, I don't know. This is really is interesting because we also have Jacorian at the beginning of 2018, Jacory showed that, okay, I'm ready for MLS at Heat. That guy can hold on to the ball. I mean, yeah, he's still raw, still needs more playtime, uh, definitely can grow. But now we've got two, two up-and-coming and Brandon and Jacory that are ready for MLS time as well. Um, yeah, Jacory. what's interesting is that I kind of consider him an eight, but he's, he doesn't play in the same style that they, the two of them, the, that Acosta and Serrania do. He's kind of like a box-to-box. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, at the beginning of the season, how all of us were so shocked that he was able to hold the ball in such high pressure against very good teams, and he barely got dispossessed, and he was really the um, reason we had so much success at the beginning of the year. Exactly, yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right, uh, let's see. 
moving on. Uh, let's let's talk about those uh, trades that happened. So, um, Maxi Uruti to Montreal. Thoughts on that one? It had to happen. Uh, I I have never been a fan of Maxi Uruti. I always admired his tenacity, but he always seemed to be the reason why we weren't able to win games that we tied because he would shoot from outside of the box. He would, he would like, he, he, he missed obvious opportunities, which seems, which seemed to be FC Dallas during his tenure here anyway. Uh, I thought we got him at a low price until we saw his wage. Uh, Oof, over, he would have made over 1 million. He would have been that first player to make over 1 million. So this was definitely a salary dump. For what it's worth, I, I don't think it would have been great if Maxi Rudy was the first player we ever paid 1 million to. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think his time was up. Uh, my biggest critique on him was also his biggest strength. That guy had an everlasting engine on him. You could you could never question his work rate, nor the willing to play for this team. You could never question that. But um, it would it would always put him out of position, and that kind of would do harm to the team. Either running up that flanks, and now we got kind of no one in there. Um, I think Maxi's time was it, it was time for him to go. But uh, that was that was a good message that the club or that Maxi made himself, and I kind of getting sentimental here. But I like the uh, like the fact that he was like, hopefully, I can wear that jersey again. I think that um, it was very important for Miguel because of the fact I don't think he fits Lucci's play style at all. Yeah, true. Uh, especially with the possession style that Lucci wants to play, but uh, I don't think Ruti fits that. I think Montreal is a good fit for him. I would have preferred him to go to Revolution. Um, but it's a good fit for him. He gets to play with Argentinians like Piatti or Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the right time. I wish we got more than we got, but realizing the wage, I know it probably wasn't possible. But yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Montreal, and I'm going to say something, but this leads into my next thing. Uh, Roland Lamont to FC Cincinnati. And I think many probably thought, okay, uh, FC Dallas didn't sign Lamont back. We, many of us thought, okay, Lamont is probably going to go to Montreal because the French part. But uh, I think Lamont's time was also up. Uh, yes, he did score in bunches, but I don't know. He, he didn't, didn't really feel like he was the, our, just our player. He didn't really seem to live up. And uh, I know a lot of the critiques other people had was, well kind of doesn't match up to what we're paying him. Yeah, um, those are all true. I was very surprised that FC Cincinnati picked him. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of the fact that we signed Zobek before the re-entry draft, or the, whatever that draft is called. I think it's the re-entry draft. Uh, I was surprised that either Maurer or Zobek didn't get picked, or maybe even Ziegler. I was surprised that Lamar was the one that was picked, because of the fact that they have a really good Argentinian left mid in Cincinnati called Ledesma from their USL team. Uh, I wish him the best. I don't know if there is really any MLS team. This is this sounds really mean. I don't think that there's really any MLS team that he actually fits in that play style that he plays. 
with the with the negative qualities that he has, like without his like without defending, he was the most prolific goal scorer that we had. Uh, but that didn't that doesn't really say much, especially when it was eight goals. Yeah. Yeah. It was also time for him to go. Time for him to go. And I would also say it was time for him to go on this next player, Tesho Akindeli, to Orlando City FC. Uh, he kind of never lived up to his rookie season. I felt like he was kind of a one-season wonder. It was his rookie season, and that was it. Granted, though, um, in that season, he was played as a striker alongside Blas Perez. And as of late, Tesho wasn't played in the striker position as much. He was played as a winger. But I think it was also time for Tesho to go. He probably yeah. needed a new challenge. Yeah, one of the, the few criticisms I had of Bobby over his tenure here is that he wasted Tesho for so many years. He, can, he It was extremely obvious from the beginning that he did not have the speed or quality, like the qualities to play winger. And him playing there was just a waste. I think it might surprise people, but Tesho leaving... For me, is a li- actually a little bit more sad than we'll talk about later. Ulloa leaving because he has given the Ooh. club, yeah, I know, he has given the club some of the most memorable moments I've remembered from us destroying San Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that game like it was yesterday. He had so many fun, funny goals. Uh, to what happened this year with Atlanta, he gave us such awesome memories, and I'll always be thankful for that. I'm interested in what happens to him in Orlando because Orlando doesn't really need forwards. That was the one thing they really didn't need this offseason. But, yeah, I'm sad he's going, but it's time for me to go. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, I, I I was a huge Tesho fan during his rookie season, the season after, but then my support kind of fell off. But you bring up a good point. Tesho did give us those goals that we needed. Uh, last year in that frustrating um, Houston game at home when he scored and you kind of felt like, okay, maybe we're back in this. Then, like you said, Atlanta this year uh, gave, giving us that win. My favorite would be Tesho's goal that took us to overtime in the 2015 playoffs against Seattle. That, w- that, was, that was very exciting. That was such a good game. Probably my favorite FC Dallas memory right there. That game. That game was... And then the Zimmerman stare. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, probably time for Tesho to go. And then lastly, this, probably the shock for many, uh, the departure of Victor Ulloa. Thoughts on that one? I was extremely shocked that we got such a low number for him because yes. I valued him at a much higher, maybe 500 in TAM, because of how stable he has been in a very good MLS team over the past couple of years. Uh, I knew for a fact that either Ulloa or Grueso were going to go, uh, I didn't think it was going to be Ulloa. I, I was, I, it had to be either Ulloa or Gray. So I didn't think it was going to be Ulloa because of the fact that he just had a kid. Uh, Cincinnati is a good place for him, though he he's going to have to compete for a spot because they have a couple of good starting center mids in Alashe and that Swiss guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I he he has been one of the most underrated players, I think. FC Dallas has ever had. I've seen so many criticisms of him over the year that have been just blatantly incorrect from a couple of fans. Uh, he was our best passer this year, 
if you don't include Diaz or the incoming Arangis. He's the reason why we had uh, we, we were able to stay when Mario Diaz left and Arangis didn't start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of the dirty work in, in a, if you want an analogy there. He kind of did the work that just needed to be done. Sure, it wasn't always flashy, but he got the job done. Yeah. Um, my, my concern is that FC Dallas seems to be heading in a we're going to go young approach this year. And what doesn't make entirely sense to me is that we've got all these up-and-coming kids in Chris Richards, Brandon Cervania, Thomas Roberts, Paxton Pomacol, Brian Reynolds, Reggie Cannon, but Reggie Cannon kind of uh, doesn't fit in what I'm going to say. Is um, Well, I take that back. Actually, uh, you're going to need some veteran presence or uh, a leader to guide them. And I felt like Victor Ulloa is that perfect uh, leader because he comes through the academy, almost loses his job here at FC Dallas. Uh, Bobby brings him back and fights his way back into the starting lineup again. I kind of feel like all these young guys are going to need some sort of mentor or leader and uh, to guide them into becoming a professional. And I felt like Victor perfectly matches that since he's go- he went through the exact same path that these young guys are going through. So that's the kind of... That's kind of the concern that I have now that Victor's gone. Um, I was shocked by that. I was surprised by that. True, true. I, I honestly think that that is, that is actually one of the worries that I have. I think that if you exclude Hedges from the leadership role, which you're not because he is the captain and he will still be a leader, mm-hmm. but he has known to be not that vocal of a leader. I think if you're going to pick a leader this year, it'll probably be Cannon, probably be Cannon just because of his a dedication to the club. Yep. Uh, I think he can fit that Uyoa mold well in that leadership status. Uh, yeah, Uyoa is going to be probably the biggest loss this year. Even if Grueso leaves, I still think he's going to be the biggest loss that we've had this year. I don't know. Kind of reading the explanation that FC Dallas put out too didn't really make much sense to me either. But yeah, like you said, uh, I do feel like he's the biggest loss of this offseason so far. Well, we're approaching an hour. Um, surprisingly, we didn't get through everything. I know that FC Dallas has a draft coming up. Uh, quickly, what do you think FC Dallas needs in the draft? Well, you're just going to need a decent amount of depth because of the fact that we're not going to pull all the academy players for NTXSC games. Uh there are a couple players that I think we're going to pick uh, just because of the fact that they have Dallas connections. Uh, like Camden Riley from, the from I think it's Pacific, University of the Pacific. He's from Dallas. He's also a 10, which is not really a position of need at this point with Pomichol, uh, Arangis, and Tichero. Uh, there's also a couple of SMU players that we're probably going to get. I'm just excited at who we're going to sign as homegrowns this year from college. Do you have a couple of academy players that might get signed as homegrowns? Yeah. Uh, one of the failures I think that we had this year is that literally none of the homegrowns that we signed did anything this year. None of them. Especially the ones from college. I was extremely disappointed that Cano didn't get anything. I was surprised that we still haven't re-signed Reeves. Uh, there are a couple of college players that our FC Dallas homegrowns that we might sign, uh, especially ones from SMU, like Ponder and Lee Uh 
I'm I'm interested to see what we do in the draft this year because unlike other years, we actually have to start players in a system that we think are going to fit in either FC Dallas or probably North Texas SC. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I really feel like this draft is just going to be okay. Supplement um, our USL team, see what we need, and in a weird way, it's we're kind of hitting crunch time because Carter Baum was like three more weeks until off season or preseason training, so. I forgot where I read it, but I could have sworn I read somewhere there was like out of all the soccer leagues in the entire world, MLS has the shortest off season. Hopefully, uh, that improves with that new playoff format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's supposed to be shorter too. So, as much as we love soccer, I it's the the our players and especially the front office staff uh, like Carter Baum, Claudio Castillo, Janet Sanchez, all those guys that they definitely deserve a break. But um, yeah, it's we're kind of entering crunch time now. It'll be interesting to see how this all comes out. Yeah, uh, I'm interested. This week, I'm gonna see if I can watch a couple of super draft games mm-hmm. that actually start. I think Saturday. I'm definitely gonna watch the draft itself. I'm interested to see what happens because there's actually a decent amount of talent this year. They say that every year, but they, there is a decent <laughs> amount of talent this year. Yep. Uh, I'm interested to see. Mm, what we do this offseason, I heard from, I think, uh, El Chico Carmona that we're going to play scrimmage. Uh, the Byron second team or the Byron U19s in February. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing an article in German and I was like, well, uh, Google Translate, please don't fail me. I couldn't figure out if it was going to be a youth team or if they're second team. But yeah, it's, it'll, be ex- it'll be exciting to see a Byron team play against, play against us. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you so much. Ismael, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank um, you. Thank you to all our listeners right now uh, for the first episode of the Burning Bull podcast. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know that here at FC Dallas Nation and Dal- uh, Dallas Sports Nation, we've, we've, we've grown. Uh, we appreciate you guys and your support. Uh, thank you for listening to our first episode. And until next time.